0: If you want a better tomorrow, start heading for it today with Toyota Sandyford. We've got Toyota's full range of self-charging hybrid electric cars. With contributions of up to €3,000, join the thousands of hybrid drivers who have made Toyota Ireland's best-selling car brand in 2021. Start your electric journey at Toyota Sandyford, Exit 13 off the M50 and right at the Beacon Hospital. Toyota, built for a better world. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Own country, the Yorkshire Post Political Podcast. I'm Jerry Scott, the Yorkshire Post Westminster correspondent. And do you know what we've got a really interesting and in-depth interview for you this week. Not that all of the interviews we have on Pod's Own Country aren't interesting and in-depth. Of course they are, but I'm really, really excited that Jake Berry is joining me um today for a chat. And you know, Jake is a former northern powerhouse minister under Theresa May and also Boris Johnson. He stepped down from that role in February but since then we've seen him uh, reappear as heading up the northern research group of Tory MPs. Tory backbenchers says, all oh, getting on I think uh, for kind of 70-80 of them now who are representing northern seats and really giving our part of the world you know a voice and You know, we're going to be talking a lot about that today and why these MPs are a little bit more rebellious, maybe, than your traditional Conservative backbencher. We'll also be talking about devolution and, of course, how the North can recover from coronavirus as well. So stick around and hear from Jake. Hi Jake, it's really, really good to have you on Podzane Country. Thank you so much for coming on. I know you're so busy.
0: Oh well, thank you for having me. It's a, it's such a pleasure to be talking to you today.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, God, I feel I feel sorry for you because there's always me kind of trying to get get a chat with you and see what you're going on with. But you're a very busy man, aren't you? Because it's all been going on with um with this new Northern Research Group. I suppose let's let's jump straight into it. What
0: is the NRG? Well, look, it's a collective way of new northern MPs and, 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 and sort of old hands, a bit like me, to work together. No one should be surprised. We've now got 80 Conservative members of Parliament, uh, you know, across the north of England, including brilliant Conservative MPs in, in Yorkshire. Um, and no one should be surprised that we've kind of come together and gone, you know what? We were elected on a compelling vision to level up the North, and I bet we're going to get into a bit about talking about what that means. Mm-hmm. But actually, we can do this best together. No one needs a hand to um, you know, speak up for their you know, own area. I don't have to help Mark Eastwood speak up for Dewsbury. He's a brilliant guy to do it, but, and I don't need any help speaking up for Rosendale and Darwin in Lancashire. But by working together using our collective voice, a bit like a sort of trade union for MPs with collective bargaining, we can really make sure that we get what we need and deserve across the north of England in places like Yorkshire, Lancashire, Cumbria and the Northeast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've heard of all these research groups popping up and I think sometimes to um, normal members of the public, people that aren't like um, me and you and spend our lives doing this kind of stuff, um, it can be a bit kind of, what, what does that mean? But like you say, you've got that collective voice, that collective aim of really getting stuff done, um, which is really exciting. And, you know, our listeners would have heard in the intro there where I was kind of saying about what we'll be talking about today, you were the Northern Powerhouse Minister up until what? Oh, February this year? America. Was it really 10 months ago that you that oh, you that job? I can't believe that. And, you know... There was this really, um, if I'm sure you won't mind me saying, really touching, I found it, interview that you did with The Times a few weeks back when you spoke about some of that period and some of the difficulties you, you've had this year. I mean, how have things been since then? I know you've been busy, but how, how are you doing?
0: Well, look, I think my family accurately reflects every other person across the north of England, who's just had a bit of a miserable year, haven't we? We've had sort of a a couple of deaths of close family members and and other issues, but we've had no worse time than, you know, people across Yorkshire and the north of England who've just had a really difficult 2020. Look, I'll let you into a little secret. A few years ago, my wife uh, bought me a really, really decent bottle of wine And uh, we keep keep talking about saying, oh, we're going to have that bottle of wine. And there's never just quite been the occasion for it. I can confirm to you exclusively today that that will be opened on New Year's Eve, because I can tell you, I want to see the back of 2020. I think 2021 is going to be a great year. For us and for the north of England, so that um, very nice bottle of red wine, uh, which uh, um, has been stored for the special occasion, is going to be drunk to see out 2020, probably with a two-fingered salute, if I can say that. You know, We're turning our back on 2020 and we're looking forward to 21.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But we have had some really good news, haven't we? Um, this week about vaccine, we've got going to get a vaccine um rollout. I imagine you're over the moon by like that, like the like the rest of the country.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's fantastic, isn't it? You know that we can, you know, collectively as as a world, come together to tackle this terrible disease. And what, whatever people's view about you know their own personal risk uh, and whether you know wh- you know what how vulnerable they think they are. Of course, you know, the terrible thing about this disease is it's, one, targeted the most vulnerable people in our society, your nans, your granddads, your your elderly parents, and two, stopped us really being humans. The most human thing you can do is give someone a cuddle or a hug when you're having a bad time or even when you're having a good time. But what a terrible thing that this disease has taken away from us, the thing we love the most, which is that, you know, contact with the other human beings. That's why I just think it's fantastic. That we're going to have a vaccine.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One of my colleagues, um speaking to them this morning, as, as journalists, we go out often and do horrible things called vox pops, where we accost people on the street and ask for their opinions on on big matters. And everyone hates them. I'll let let our listeners into a little secret. We don't enjoy doing them as much as you don't enjoy being approached. And um one of my colleagues has said. I'm so, I'm so starved of human contact. I'm excited to go and do a Vox Pop this morning. Um... It's
0: going to be the year of the Vox Pops. Across your... Year
1: of the Vox Pops. <laughs> exactly. Um, look, we're going to come on to COVID in a bit, but let's go back a bit to start off with. Um, because I think it's no secret that you were, you know, a massive part of um, Boris Johnson's leadership bid when he went for party leadership before... Um, Oh God, it seems like a million years ago now, doesn't it, with everything that's happened since. And you're one of his fiercest allies. So can you give us any insight into what he really thinks about levelling up and what, what his kind of vision has been for the North?
0: Well, I I think the Prime Minister, Boris, he's a good mate of mine, actually. I mean, even though sometimes I come on programmes like this and give him a bit of a hard time, we still speak speak every week. He He still return your
1: messages.
0: (laughs) He is is uniquely placed, uh, having been Mayor of London, to understand the power of giving people control of their lives and, uh, you know, driving the economy. And in fact, of course... Uh, you know the whole issue I think of the Brexit referendum. Remember that? That's coming up later later uh, this this month um was about taking back control. So look, I, I I know and believe that he is absolutely determined to trans you know to to set in train a series of events that will transform people's lives. Um, but you know I I think across the north, I mean, like he has a mate of mine, but I'm gonna tell you what I really think.
1: Yeah.
0: I just think that we're going to need to see a big change from this government. My government, obviously, I'm a conservative. We're going to see a need to see a big change from this government. It just feels to me, actually, that you know, with this north-south divide, it's just become such an urgent issue because of how deep COVID has sunk its claws into the north's economy. Where I live, over in in Lancashire, in the northwest, we've you know we've been in some sort of restrictions since March. I know. Yorkshire's had a, loads of restrictions the like which haven't been seen in truth in areas like London and Cornwall and the south of England so look this issue which was really important at the last election has gone from important to urgent and I think what we need to see from this government next year is a bit of a, a step change on this north south agenda I don't just think incremental changes here the odd fund here to invest in towns is going to be enough. and I think we need a bit of an attitude change. So I'll, t- I'll let you into a little secret. Now, I, I got in trouble recently for allegedly um, saying that f- football people in the North preferred football to ballet. I think the, the Northern ballet in, in, in Leeds is a fine institution, uh, slightly took what I said uh, to heart, or, although I was misquoted. But look, I, I'll tell you a little secret. I do actually love the arts. In fact, I love... The uh, ballet, I haven't been to the Northern Ballet, but I really hope that they might invite me now they know who I am, but maybe not. But actually, I think factories are more beautiful than some of the buildings like Westminster Abbey. Oh, it's going to be slightly controversial things today, but if you go to the Bentley factory in Crewe and see their robotic welding shop, it is a thing of beauty. And you know factories are beautiful, and no one does them quite like the North of England. So the sort of step change I want to see in the new year is let's not talk about levelling up; that's a slogan. Let's change the way we do business in government to suck. I want to hear the whoosh as international investment comes to the North of England to build more beautiful factories, like the Bentley factory in Crewe or the BAE factory in uh, in Lancashire. I, I know you have lots of them in, in Yorkshire as well. We're going to have the, the train factory in Ghoul built by Siemens, I think, from memory. Um, let's have more beautiful factories, which are more beautiful than some of our most iconic buildings like the Houses of Parliament or Westminster Abbey, built in the north of England. Not because you know that's just a good thing to do, but because people across the north want those highly paid secure jobs including the green collar jobs in the new green industrial revolution let's have a government that's radical and creates an environment where we are literally sucking cash in on a daily basis from around the globe to transform the communities of the north of england because the way out of this pandemic which has hit the nord north harder than any other part of the country in my opinion the way out of it isn't cutting public spending the way out of it isn't increase in people's taxes it's about creating a wealth economy across the north of england and i think what we need to do is for the government to come forward with that sort of radical um program for the north of england if we're truly going to deliver on our leveling up agenda
1: and i think you're absolutely right and god i can hear the passion in that that's so kind of refreshing to hear because i think you're right that this obviously is a vision of this government of your government but but we're not hearing everything we need to hear at the moment. I I guess I wonder sometimes, you know, I'm not I'm not, I'm not here to flatter you, Jake, obviously, but um, we were really happy.
0: <laughs> Wait, don't mind you can, there is a first time for everything.
1: <laughs> well, you know, we were really happy when you were Northern House Minister at the YP because, you know, well, not only did we have a great relationship um, with your kind of department, but also... We really felt at the time that there was someone really banging the drum for the North and you're still clearly doing it now, but no one has that standalone role anymore and um, Transport secretary Grant Shapps has taken in the Northern Powerhouse role and I know there's been calls for a dedicated post to be made again. Is that something you think would help in this kind of recovery or do you do you think that's needed again? Yeah,
0: well, I I mean, I I, I do think it's needed. But look, I mean, really the point of Northern Conservative MPs coming together in this Northern research group is to prove to people, I I hope we don't need to prove it. But look, we've got to remember who we work for. I do not work for the Prime Minister. I do not work for the Conservative Party. I work for the people of Rosendale and Darwin. And you could say that for Philip Davis, you know, Mark in, in Dewsbury, um, you know, colleagues across the whole of uh, Yorkshire, Julian Smith in Yorkshire, all of these things that they work for the people who live in the north of England. Actually, our job and why we've come together is say is to say we have to be part of a government that is going to deliver for the north of England. Now, this great the, the levelling up fund in the recent autumn statement was fantastic. It's four billion pounds. It will transform communities. But it's £6 million per constituency if you divide, divide, divide it across England. That is not a lot of money. We need fundamental change to the way we do government to transform the economy of the north of England. We've got to remember who we work for, and we've got to be the agents of that change. And being part of the northern research group, you can do it. So having a northern powerhouse minister in the cabinet, yeah, it's a great thing to do. But actually, we need this team north, including Labour MPs, to come together and deliver this change. I just think, you know, as we come out of this COVID pandemic, I think we're going to be in a different world. I think that people are fed up with a London-centric, Whitehall-led government that sort of, you know, sort of a budget we all sit around waiting to see what sort of goodies are going to be scattered from the table, sprinkled across the north of England. Now, it's good to have a government that wants to do that. But, you know, I... I don't want to be waiting for Whitehall to do itself. It's why I've always been a big dele- believer in devolution. I'm delighted we're going to be having a mayor of West Yorkshire elected next May. Um, but, you know, we need these powerful northern voices to, um, you know, to, to, to look to drive the north economy. And I, I would be really radical. I mean, if you look at Wales and Scotland, they have the ability to set income tax. I'd like to see areas in the north of England, which have a mayor or large areas in the north of England, free to do things like set their own, uh, you know, a portion of income tax for them to set it locally to cut it or increase it, but that money stays locally to be able to vary things like national insurance rates. Because I want to hear that whoosh that I've talked about, that, that noise as we suck in global capital into the north of England to invest in our economy. It cannot be the government on its own. We need to be, you know, a pre-market-led, manufacturing, making-things-led economy that's going to be globally competitive. And the, the government can't do that for us, but they, they can give us the tools we need to deliver. that. And in truth, that is what's going to deliver northern prosperity, not a levelling-up fund as welcome as it is. It's got to be the north of England having a thriving economy, which we control.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And there are two bits I really want to dig into a bit there. Um, there's devolution, but before we get to that, I was really interested in what you said just then about, you know, working for constituents. And I think the vibe that I've got from a lot of members of the NRG is, yeah, absolutely, you're right that you are Conservative and you do support the Prime Minister in the party, but a lot of you are also acutely aware of things like you know, that a lot of votes at the last election were lent to the party. And is there a feeling that, you know, that you guys especially will be judged on what you deliver rather than, you know, just ballot box next time because you're a Tory candidate ticking the box? Is it is there more at stake here for members of the NRG, do you think?
0: Well, look, voting Conservative, I like to think, is a habit. But for many people across the North England, it's a relatively new one. So, you know, towns uh, like, you know, Dewsbury or some of the the other red wall seats that we talk about, they've been voting Labour for a generation. And, you know, they did something really brave at the last election. which say, you know what, it just that just hasn't worked for us. We don't like the offer from the Labour Party at the general election. We're going to try something new. We're going to back the Conservatives. That's great. You know, I hope they keep doing it, by the way. But, you know, in order for them to do that, in order for them to form that habit, they've got to have that local champion. They've got to see that it's not business as usual. They've got to see that something genuine has changed. We are not, as a group of MPs or even a Conservative government, going to close the North-South divide in this parliament. It will take decades. Mm -hmm. But they've got to see that there is a new and compelling vision for us and our families who live in the north of england that they can believe and buy into they've got to share our optimism about rebuilding the north's economy as a net contributor to the united kingdom rather than a region of our nation that takes money and taxation raised in london to spend in our local economies we don't want to be we don't want to be reliant like that we want to be the people who make it happen for ourselves and i think that's the sort of they're not going to see you know, no one can snap their fingers and change 100 years worth of inequality between the north and south of the England, England, but they've got to see that vision, that optimism. And we have a brilliant crop of new Conservative MPs across the north. And just look at the vote on the COVID restrictions recently. You can see quite a lot of those people who rebelled were the new MPs because they understand who they work for. And if they're yeah. people, they represent unhappy with these restrictions, then do you know what? They're going to back their people, and that's a good place for politics to be. And we've got good colleagues who really, really understand who they work for.
1: Yeah, yeah. and that's exactly the example I was going to use. Actually, the the COVID tiering system. A lot of, like you say, those um people on the rebel list were the UMPs in New Yorkshire, Robbie Moore and Keithley, and um, Imran Ahmed Khan in Wakefield, both elected in twenty nineteen, who both said, "You know what? I don't think this is right for my constituents. My constituents have told me this isn't what they want." So I'm Going to go with them, I think. Um, I think you're quite right, and I think the it is good for politics. I think, uh maybe a little bit more rebellious as a group, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) But, (laughs) But there we are. Um, so I suppose the other thing I wanted to pick up on on what you said there was devolution. You wrote for us actually in October at the YP, saying that devolution and mayors had been, you know, catapulted up to the top of the agenda, and I think that was because of the tussles over tier three with with Andy Burnham I mean what you spoke there about maybe controlling taxes and things like that what does having devolution really mean to you
0: well I I know this is somewhere somewhere where I think I do uh really disagree with uh where the government is at the moment I think it's hugely important um I think we have seen this slip down the agenda slide. no I just simply say this I mean Colleagues, including in the Northern Research Group, have really mixed views about this. Some people love it. I'm one of those. Some people really don't like it. But look, we can't put the genie back in the bottle. Whether we like it or not, this Conservative government and the party I have the privilege of being a member of are the fathers of English devolution. Now, 50% of the north of England is covered by devolution deals, which were created initially by George Osborne, then continued by Theresa May and Boris Johnson. So, you know, we've got to we've got to go for this. You know, there's no way you can stand uh, in Yorkshire, West Yorkshire, when you have your elected mayor and say, oh, you know, we've changed our mind. Actually, we don't think Yorkshire people should determine what happens in Yorkshire. It should be the government again. So the the government needs to... It is our policy. We need to embrace it. We need to own it. We need to change devolution so that mayors aren't just like a sort of uh, you know being seasonal, a sort of Father Christmas character who goes around spending government money and never has the pain of making difficult decisions or raising it. I think devolution needs to look like uh, real power, local taxation, real power like we see up in Scotland with the First Minister of Scotland having the ability to vary things like income tax. Let's raise money in Yorkshire to spend money in Yorkshire and in other areas of the North as well. And at that point, evolution will have come of age and that's I think where we should go next. I think we should have deals across the entirety of the north of England including the rest of Yorkshire, Lancashire, Cumbria and the other parts of the northeast that don't have it. I think that will transform the power balance between the north and south of England. That's going to be a huge part of rebuilding the north with hope and rebuilding our economy because frankly we're the people who know how to do it.
1: Yeah I think you're right and I think there has been some concern, you know. The prime minister didn't mention mayors in his speech at the um, Great Northern Conference this year, when he did last year. And I know there's been some speculation that this, like I said, this fight with Andy Burnham over the tier three restrictions before has has put the government off devolution a bit. And you said to yourself there that that's where you were a bit at bitter odds with the government. Do you think they've gone a bit cold on the idea?
0: No, I don't know. I mean, you'd have to ask the prime minister that. But the, the <laughs> problem with the current devolution settlement is that because it's city devolution, the Leeds city region, Manchester and other areas, it is, being very political for the moment, it is largely devolution for the Labour party, apart from the great Ben and we have over in the Tees Valley. Um, mm-hmm. Why shouldn't North Yorkshire and the city of York have a mayor? They absolutely should. And in truth, it would more likely than not probably be a Conservative. You know, why, why shouldn't they have a mayor? So I think the problem with devolution isn't that we have done too much devolution. I think the real problem is that we haven't done enough. And the mayors we have don't have enough power and responsibility.
1: Yeah. And I'd love to see a Conservative candidate for West Yorkshire as well. Labour are really far down their selection process. You've got the candidates out making statements and things like that. And there's no Conservative candidate yet, despite me being on the phone to the party every other day asking if there is one. Um, so we'll see We'll see who comes forward. Um, I guess the only other thing that I want to kind of talk to you about, about devolution is what you think it means for politics because we did get a bit political there and talk about having a laboratory mayor but I do think that uh the having these mayors in place has been better for cross-party working in a way you know we've seen Matt Hancock standing at the dispatch box and praising people like Dan Jarvis and Steve Rotherham maybe not so much Andy Burnham but the you know, having Metro mayors, is it better for cross-party working as well, do you
0: think? Yeah, I think so. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not just... that. You know, it's, If the Tory party only believed in creating Tory mayors, we wouldn't have done the devolution we've done. Yeah. So I think you've seen a government, and it should be credited for it, that has put politics aside to create these powerful individuals, as I say, apart from the the great Ben Houchin in the Tees Valley, um, Uh, you know, they are all labour individuals. But I I think they do a good job. I think they've got quite an easy job, if I'm honest, because Mm -hmm. they're involved in spending money, not raising it. And we all know it's easy to be popular if you're spending other people's money. It's Mm -hmm. a bit harder to be popular. You know, the decisions are a bit more real, I guess, when you then have to have the conversation with the people you represent about Well, look, we've got to raise it locally to spend it locally. You tend to get better politics, in my opinion. Um, So, you know, I think we need more devolution, and I think we need mayors to have real tax and spending powers and then let people make their mind up, you know, let people say, well, I'm going to back X or Y in the election because I really buy into their vision for West Yorkshire. That's when devolution will work at its best. I just just think politics has changed. I think Whitehall's playing catch-up. Um, I think there's still a real feeling in Whitehall that, you know, devolutions, you know, just those troublesome northerners kicking off again. And, uh, you know, they just need to wake up that actually, you know, the way this country is run and is going to be run in the future has changed. And we can't go backwards. So we just need to go forward. But we need to go forward at pace, because if we want to see more of those beautiful factories that I talked about earlier built across the north of England, we need them built in two years, not 10 years. And when Whitehall's involved in decisions, it's just so slow. And local mayors like Andy Burnham or Steve Rotherham or Dan Jarvis, they have the ability and the power to make things happen quickly. And you know what? I'm really, really impatient. That's one of my faults. But it's also one of my great um, sort of uh, things. Like values that I can bring to politics as well. I'm impatient for change. I'm fed up about, us talking about the North-South divide, I'm fed up about people in the North of England living 10 years less than people who live in wealthy areas of the South. I'm completely, completely over the fact that if you live in the poorest part of the North of England, you're going to have 19 years less worth of healthy life as a man than if you happen to live in parts of the South. This has to change mayors are part of the solution but you know government actually has to stop just talking about this and start doing it yeah
1: absolutely and i wonder if um like you say that impatience is part of
0: virtue you
1: know, yeah absolutely as a fellow impatient person i um feel your pain but um I think some of that is part of what's behind this levelling up fund that we mentioned earlier and we saw in the spending review last week, isn't it? Because these projects have to be delivered within this parliament. Is there, you know, I wonder if some some of that is that, you know, really there's got to be something to show in 2024. Because as you've quite rightly said a few times, these issues aren't going to be fixed in one parliament, maybe not even two. So things need to get done, don't they?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And look, let's let's look at the sort of thing we want to be done as a government with that. I mean, we often talk about things like Northern Powerhouse Rail and HS2, and I'm delighted that the government um, has a continuing commitment to both of those uh, projects. Mm -hmm. But if I think about where I live, the biggest thing in my life is the fact that we have a roundabout in the centre of Rottenstall, just a Mm -hmm. few miles from Todmorden, uh, a roundabout in the centre of Rottenstall that probably adds 20 minutes to everyone's commute every single day of the week that's like 2 3 million pounds to fix it's not it's not nothing but it's not a you know it's not a billion pounds like a huge rail project so this fund which says we you know we know in our areas we know the little things that really make a difference to our lives so the ability to identify and say look we know these are problems we're going to fix it and by the way we're going to do it quickly i think will be massively popular which is why I support this levelling up fund and I support the ambition to deliver it so quickly because, you know, as I said, I'm just impatient for change and I'm frankly fed up of hearing, you know, governments and political parties talking about stuff. I, I, You know, I want to be part of a government and a political movement that gets on and does it. And I think with our Chancellor Rishi Sunak and our Prime Minister Boris Johnson, we're going to see that next year. And uh, look, I'd really welcome it.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I know you're busy, so I'm going to let you go in just a second. And we managed to avoid quite a lot of coronavirus chat, actually, which is um, rare in these times. But welcome. Um, We're talking about that change that things need to happen quickly, but also that there's going to have to be long-term things that happen. And I think it's going to take a while for the north to recover from coronavirus. You spoke earlier about how you know the virus has had an equal impact, and. We're still waiting for a bit of a recovery plan for the North. I suppose, what would that look like for you? What would you like to see in the next few weeks to really say, this is what we're going to do for the North. This is how we're going to help the North recover.
0: Well, I, you know, there's a few, we as the Northern Research Group continue to work and support the the government looking at a Northern recovery plan. But look, I, you know, I think there just needs to be some really basic things in there. Number one, um, we need to really tackle... <clears throat> the educational inequalities that we have between the north and south so to me one of the things i'd love to see the government come out and commit to uh, drag your mind back to around 1997 Ooh. when tony blair came you probably can't remember that far back but, but i think, <laughs> uh, when tony blair came he said 50% of all young people should go to university and for people like my parents and my parents friends that was like a massive moment because they suddenly looked up, my my dad did go to university, but he was the first member of his family ever to do so. They suddenly looked up and went, ah, university, that's for people like me, that's for my kids. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to see the government come out and say something like, 50% of all young people are going to do a high-quality, high-value apprenticeship. Because we know, especially in jobs in the green sector, the green-collar jobs, that, that is going to lead to a lifetime of high earning. And, of course, Sheffield Hallam already has the National Centre for Excellence for Degree Apprenticeships. I know a bit about it. I went to Sheffield University myself, so it's a great city. So that's the sort of ambition I want to see for our young people. I think something in the skills pace we're going to need. I think also something in the international inward investment. And I'd love to see... government do something really bold in terms of the taxation in the north of England to say, you know, how can we create the economic, uh, the economic sort of uh, conditions that will see massive international investment in the north of England. And in truth, you do that through taxation, because all of this money that's floating around the globe, it looks for the highest return. And if we can demonstrate you know land is relatively affordable we have a hugely skilled and passionate workforce across the north of england and also you're going to get a good tax environment to come into people will invest in the north of england we will get those high earners and of course those high earners and secure jobs they want to go to the uh, you know the national uh, northern ballet in leeds they want their kids to go to great schools it just drags and levels everything up so we've got to do something to bring international investment into our northern economy. And the last thing is I want to see optimism dripping from every single pore of this government to say, actually, we know that we work for you in the north. This is our plan. You've got to stick with us. It's not going to happen straight away. But look at our our plan and our vision for the north. This is going to transform your life and the life of your children and your grandchildren. And we're going to make... The North of England, the best place in the world to grow and start a business, have your child in education, enjoy the cultural life of the North. If we can do that, then we will be an unstoppable uh, force. I believe, you know, the people of the North actually we are the ones who can make it happen, but we've got to have that sort of vision and backing from the government to deliver. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Cool. What a vision! That's my to
0: new resolution for twenty twenty one. What's yours?
1: Uh, my new year's resolution oh god it's to actually leave the house um, which i feel like is a low bar but maybe achievable now we've got a vaccine coming so let's, yeah, I, uh, I hope so, I hope so. It. it's a little bit less ambitious than um overhauling the prospects for the north but uh, you know i'll take it um, but jake thank you so much for coming on it's been really really great to chat and um, really interesting
0: that's fun let's uh, keep talking thanks very much for having me on
1: Thank you so much for listening to Pod's Own Country, the Yorkshire Post political podcast. I've been Jerry Scott, the Yorkshire Post Westminster correspondent, and you can find me on Twitter at Jerry underscore E underscore L underscore Scott. Um, we'll be back next week, but in the meantime, if you could please do us a massive favour and... Leave us a review, subscribe, tell your friends. We're on all the major podcasting platforms, whether that's Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, we're even on Amazon Podcasts now, so you can get us on your smart speaker. Um, We'd really appreciate it because it helps more people find us, and I'll speak to you soon.
0: If you crave technology that leads... If you appreciate design that inspires, if you want driving dynamics that excite, meet the one. The remarkable BMW One Series, featuring front and rear parking sensors, cruise control, fully digital display with navigation and real-time traffic information, along with BMW's latest voice control intelligent personal assistant, all a standard. Meet the One with your own exclusive video consultation. Book yours today at bmw.ie.